Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Howdy gang, welcome, you're tuned in to another episode of the Close Encounters Minicast. My name's Imran, thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, really excited about the episode today. Before we jump into it, the Close Encounters uh, Minicast is something of a... Um, what is it? Something of a spin-off uh, series to our Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind podcast, which is this. So the minicast kind of affords us the opportunity to um, to delve a little bit deeper within uh, prospective uh, <laughs> geek-based uh, topics and discussions. So um, I'm thrilled today uh, for the episode that we have uh, to present to you. Um, we are going to be discussing the brand new, I uh, say brand new, brand new at the time of this recording, the 2022 graphic novel release of IDW's um, The Last Ronin. It is an epic, epic, uh, inverted commas, conclusion. Uh, I say that because we're not sure if this is the end or not, but it is a wonderful conclusion to the legacy of the Ninja Turtle story as we've known it uh, over the years since the mid '80s, and um, it's yeah, it's a marvelous piece of work. I'm joined in my discussion today uh, with uh, the, well, the, the brilliant Vahe all the way over. Uh, from Melbourne, Australia, a writer, broadcaster, uh, musician, um, uh, beat maker, uh, a self-professed idiot savant over at Confessions of a Curly Mind, and um, he's a fellow uh, Blue and Green Radio broadcaster as well. So um, we, uh, I'm very lucky that I am able to connect with Mr. V on a hundred different things, from 90s R&B fandom to Ninja Turtles, and um, there's no one else I'd rather have had this conversation with. So. We both have um, uh, long time um, uh, affections and adorations for Ninja Turtles in various guises um, with a strong affinity for that 1990 live action movie uh, as well. So uh, this was sort of a, a reintroduction to us, for us, the kind of that opportunity to go back into into the sewers so to speak and uh, kind of relive uh, that fandom and this um, gr- this graphic novel The Last Ronin is just the perfect kind of uh, vessel to help us do that it's a marvellous piece of work and uh, we're going to discuss it at length uh, in the episode today so I'm broadcasting from I'm talking to you guys from London uh, in the UK Vahe is based over in Melbourne Australia and um, yes, yeah, so I want a massive thanks to, to, to Mr. V for taking the time out for uh, the episode today. And I very much hope you guys enjoy it. Please pick up a copy of The Last Ronin as well. It's, we are obviously, if you've yet to read it, this is spoiler filled. Um, but I do hope you'll enjoy the episode. You can check us out at foreverinelectricdreams.com and to the uh, Ninja Turtles uh, fans amongst you, Kawabunga. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. <laughs> Right. Well, I don't even know how to set this up because, like, this is. I'm trying to think back to when I remember hearing that they were doing this. So we're talking the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the last Ronin. Now, mm. I mean, I'm so out of touch with kind of what turtles in general. I was a a huge fan. I looked up the the first graphic novels that they they put out. I had no idea it went back to nineteen eighty six. Yeah, like, bro. 
I had, I would have thought it was 10 years on from that. I right. honestly had no idea it was, it, they were that old. 86 uh, not, i thought it was old. i thought it was 84 dude i swear no it was like... i grabbed i grabbed maybe I, i'm sure I, I i looked at the ones i had there it said first printed 80. 80. well maybe there was one before it but it was the uh yeah the first four volumes that they put out and um it started in 84 yeah, volume one was 84 because i know that because it was the year i was born i always remembered that was the first time it came out so oh right what if i i don't know i've got yeah. I'm, they must have been all right they must have been uh something that preceded it but this is the one where they they in volume one they they meet and defeat shredder in the in the first yeah. in the first <laughs> one i thought it said 86 on, on my but uh, yeah, hold on a second wiki saying oh, okay sorry they were first advertised in 84 um yeah no I'll take your word for it. Definitely, it's mid '80s, so they're going back a long way for sure. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? I mean, I remember the the, the cartoons. Obviously, it couldn't have been obviously ten years from that because the cartoon series was fairly early '90s, wasn't it? So yeah, that was anyway. The number eighty, whichever eighty-four to five to six, that that yeah, that totally threw me. I had no idea that they were <laughs> as old as that. So I'm fairly removed. I was a, a massive. <laughs> turtle holic uh for for quite a long time and um i've loved i've loved the idea of the last ronin as a way to step back into to kind of that realm and the way that this was initially presented or advertised was three of the four turtles have since passed this is something of a dystopian future one turtle one unnamed turtle remains mm. and uh, it's about them trying to uh, avenge uh, their family and i i totally mind blown by that as a premise you know it's mm. um, such a, a bold way of, of of kind of pushing that story forward is that your initial introduction to it as well um, to the to the last Ronin story, yeah, 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 yeah. So again, that I'd heard about it maybe um, some time before it actually came out. Like they they were just releasing information about it. I'd, I'd read about it, mm. and I had copies of the original Turtles comics. Like I had a hardback collection that had like a bunch of issues together mm. that I had since I was a kid. Um. But I didn't actually go and read through the individual issues till maybe about five, six years ago. Um, I found them all online. Oh, wow. Amazing. Um, so there's like free comics websites where people have just scanned the images and you can read through each issue in order. Right. Um, so I got more versed in the original comics and I was struck about how like close the first live action film stayed true to the comics in spirit and tone and even in look. Um, but then when, when I got done with the last Ronin and, and just after our conversation as well, when I thought about it a bit more, I'm like, you know what, because this is a Eastman and, uh, and Laird production, it's like the two OGs were involved mm. in the last Ronin. It actually feels very true to, to the original comics. It's very, it's drawn the same way. It's got the same grittiness. Right. Um, and even the premise, it's like the premise carried over because that was the original comic of the of the OG turtles tracking down and defeating the shredder. Yeah. Um it was to honor their father and to honor their family name and, and out of pure revenge <laughs> as well. Mm. Uh, it was vengeance. Um it was dark. So it fit, I think. Um and it felt like a really 
very it was very on point it was like just coming full circle basically yeah um it, it, that's what turtles needs you can't go too off the deep end with turtles and make it too kitty all the time yeah. because it has that dark fucking premise and it needs to come back and be a bit more adult and be violent and be intense um that's what i got out of the last ronin man that was, was a great yeah. series I mean- yeah I guess we'll talk about sort of different iterations of Turtles a little later, but like, mm. I think that's one of the most interesting things about it. The, the scope of interpretation that there is from, again, the, from, from the very beginning to the last Ronin, those are, you know, incredibly gritty kind of uh, interpretations of, of that story. But then there's the range of super kid friendly hero turtle um, and kind of presentations of, of that and the live action TV show that they, they did, which is fairly horrific to watch. The next but mutation. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's unpleasant viewing. <laughs> I mean, I've probably seen all of 30 seconds, but, uh, but that's the kind of, the, the, that's what, the, you know, that scope of, of interpretation from, from one thing, which is quite impressive in a mm. way. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone could have perceived that turtles would have had the life that it's had you know i I, it's it's incredible that it continually finds itself to get reinvented uh in you know the amount of times it does i mean i got a shout out that nickelodeon show that they did i thought that was brilliant i mean that was my daughter's introduction Mm. to it and she loved it and we we would you know there was it was it was a cool grittiness to it that it was funny they were really presented as as really fun well-rounded characters and that was a great version and a brilliant way to kind of expand that universe to entirely new characters i don't did you ever watch any of those shows i caught a bit of that one yeah i heard i heard the same like the same stuff you're saying the positive aspects about it i heard that a lot um and when i checked it out i I think it's because it followed the comic origin stories as well like the Hmm. Uh, initial first season episodes were basically just straight out of issues one two three four five you know like um it seemed like it had more of a balance between yeah. like keeping kid friendly and being a little more adult friendly as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But was, I never got to watch the full series from beginning to end. Yeah, I really recommend it. I mean, you could t- it's a Nickelodeon production and you can tell that because they are very conscious of toys. It's like every episode, <laughs> there's a new mutant <laughs> and uh, you, you can tell they're thinking more toys, more toys, but it was, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great version. It's great um, sort of interpretation of it. I thought it was a super cool update, but mm. um, yeah, but no, I mean, going to, to kind of last Ronin, I mean, I actually wondered, you know, I, I, you know, when I just heard what the premise was before I read it, I wonder, I thought the idea of keeping the the name of of the turtle secret at that point was brilliant and mm-hmm. part of me was even wondering if at any point the story would reveal who actually was as well i thought that could be an interesting take on it but i i was super happy with who it is yeah um, he's absolutely my favorite always has been and i think he's really in a way really the only right choice uh that it it could have been uh, i feel weird naming them like it's a spoiler i'm gonna well it's a spoil i think we were spoiler riddled on the episode so it's michael yeah, Angela, yeah. Yeah. who who is who is the last remaining turtle seeking vengeance and i mean where where do you stand on that pick as well was it was it someone you you thought was a good pick or would you like to have seen it be someone else i think it's very I, I thought it was a good pick, definitely. Yeah, I think any of the other ones, it, you had to count out it being Raphael or Leo. Yeah, that would have been too absolutely. obvious, yeah. right? 
tortured and and dark. Like Leo could definitely be more tortured and dark as a leader who lo- lost all of his yeah. brothers and and fellow uh, ninjas. Um, Raph because you know he's just a dark and brooding character to on the nose. Donnie could have been, you know, you could have uh, flipped him on the head a little bit in terms of putting all this emotional weight on him. So it, it, either him or Mikey, I think, was the interesting choice mm. because you're, you're taking, I guess, two of the more friendlier and bubblier turtles from the group um, and putting them in the gritty neo-noir fucking protagonist role (laughs) and it's great to see um because i think mikey even in in the cartoons as well as in the comics like he was just as badass as the rest of these bros um i think he got unfairly tagged as the party dude in the cartoons but he was a bit of a he was a bit of a tough motherfucker in the cartoons as well Mm. i remember in like a late season episode of the original cartoons might have been season four or five of it and I have to track this down because I have this weird memory of it, like like almost like an acid flashback or something. It's it's Michelangelo gets captured by some scientist who wants to study him and his abilities. So he locks him up and then he's just subject to all these horrible experiments that he has to somehow avoid. Uh, so he has to avoid getting shot by these lasers, avoid being chopped up by these knives and shit. And he's just like, he just expresses his toughness and his resilience um, and not just his humorous side. Like it was the one of the few examples where they didn't have Mikey cracking jokes and breaking the fourth wall. Mm. Like he was just in a serious situation and he was like fighting for his life. And I was like, well, you know, I got respect for Mikey. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just yeah. a brilliant decision. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they've off. I think that there are different sort of stories I remember sort of encountering at different times where I think <laughs> Splinter quite often uses him as the example where he's like, well, because of his outlook on life, he's not thinking, he's not putting himself under any pressure. That's why he's <laughs> able to consistently beat you. <laughs> you know, there's a thing where Raphael is, is uh, one of those, those, comp- those early uh, kind of volumes where Raphael completely loses his call because he's trying to, they're having a spa and Mikey's, indifferent about it but caning him <laughs> you know he's mm. just obliterating him because Ruff is too in his head and you know it, it ends up getting a bit pear-shaped with Raphael losing his mind and you know going a bit crazy on him but it was always that notion of just just relax take it easy what's going to happen is going to happen don't overthink and that was always what Splinter's perception of Mikey's abilities were and mm. you know in the comic book I think they completely justified the decision by I think um uh casey the the daughter in it i think she says you you were supposed to be the funny one you know yeah. and i think that justifies yeah that's why this has to be him as that character because it's that transformation that mm. he's he's had to go through and 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 that that burden of of responsibility that he's subsequently having to carry and he's not the funny one anymore so uh, i thought that that was a cool take um uh his connection with them uh with his brothers through the the whole epi- through the whole you know the, the entire story as well of Ronin mm. is 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 incredible. The fact that they appear as kind of you know parts of his 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 imagination or as ghosts, you know whatever context it is. I I, I thought that that was brilliantly done. Uh, yeah. As well, so they still managed to maintain the strong presence in of themselves, and you know they they straddle that line of encouragement and haunting him at the same time. 
<laughs> yeah, there's still like the having fights and shit. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you got this wrong, Mike. You got it wrong. He's like, shut up, leave me alone. Um, but but it's, yeah. it's almost like canon, though, the way they appear because of the way Splinter appears in the fire when they conjure him up in the first movie. Mm. It's very, mm. I think, I think it just ties into maybe the spiritual side of their training. Yeah, you know, like um, you can justify it that way. Maybe that's that's what Mikey's doing. He's not necessarily just talking to himself. He's maybe you know mm. channeling uh, the other plane that they all end up in at the very end. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and that's that. I, I like ambiguities about stuff like that, you know, as opposed to, mm. you know, it being decidedly he's losing his mind or he's just imagining how they would respond. We don't, yeah, as you say, we don't specifically know um, where that, you know, where that dialogue is coming from. But yeah, it's, it, it it's actually to, it? not to jump to the ending. I'm going to be jumping back and forth, but I thought it was actually very bittersweet um, the way they ended it. It's like, yeah, you're sad that they're all gone. But now they're all together again, yeah. and it's like, well, the, the the book's telling me that they're together again, so I'm kind of happy with that. Yeah, and I'm happy. I'm happy with the fact that they, even in this grim, gritty story, um, there's some kind of like hope that there's something that comes after. Yeah, and that you will be reunited with all those people that you you loved and cherished um, when you were alive. It's a very nice, mm. nice little hopeful twist little nipple twist at the very end of yeah, that story. It... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I went specifically went to nipple twist. Every time I think of twist, every time I hear the word twist, it's always like the word nipple is not far away. I always cite the poet in you and you had me, you were drifting away in this beautiful image and then you just threw in the little <laughs> nipple twist on the end of the, oh, hang on. That's how I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, be- beautifully put. It's, um, I-, I suppose that, that plane, that that ending was. I mean, last time we spoke, we were both sort of midway into mm. reading it, and I think we were both fairly confident that's where it was going to go in terms of Mikey wasn't going to survive this. He may be successful in mm. in that's the story is is the revenge, not necessarily his survival beyond it. But mm. um, I think we knew it was going to be there, but it was it's about that that journey there, and he normally he he nearly gets there very early. By going for, you know, he's realized he's too injured, he's failed, and in the, you know, quite early in the story, he's about to, to kind of end himself, and that's, you know, how shocking a, a thing was that. I remember flicking through the pages, thinking, Jesus, he's, you know, he's he's totally preparing to, to kind of just, you know, trying to honor them in in that way. It's like, well, I've I've tried, but, you know, in the way he lays out their weapons in front of him, it's beautiful, kind of beautifully done. That's very in line with og turtles aesthetic yeah that's why it works um brings it all the way back to like they really embrace the the whole their code a bit more um they're a bit more about on they're more on a bound um in these iterations and you know it is it is kind of jarring to see that i guess for people who grew up not so much with the gritty turtles um to then come back and see this, but it works if you, if you grew up with it as a kid and you see this adult version as an adult, like it's, it's going to be more in, in tune with your senses, sense and sensibilities. But if shit like that works for me, because I remember this is a bit of an aside, but uh, I was a huge fan of the cartoon beast wars transformers as a All right, okay. pretty big deal in the nineties. Um, mm. Obviously a cartoon made for kids but it was so adult in its storytelling and its character development 
that in its second season it had like a had a character named Dinobot who was on the on the bad side and then switched to the good guys in the first episode. So he was always like a former bad guy who's now a good guy and you can you're always kind of looking at him sideways like can you trust him? Um, he earns the trust of the good guys and then the second season he betrays them for a, for an episode and then comes back to the good guys. But then the weight of the betrayal is so heavy on him that in one of the episodes it starts out with him holding his own sword to his chest <laughs> and contemplating like wow. suicide <laughs> and throwing the, the sword away in disgust. Um, and that one episode in season two, he he like ends up sacrificing himself to save um, a bunch of people and he dies. And it's like, man, you can really achieve a lot of heavy material in things that are geared towards kids. Mm, yeah. Um, and yeah, man, like taking something like turtles, which is a kiddie thing, but returning it to its roots, which was not a kiddie thing. Like it really exists in these two different universes at once. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you're saying, like so many iterations of it. It's because you can stretch it in so many different ways. Mm. You know? um, it all kind of works. Yeah. You talked about the code. I mean, that's that first issue that we've called back to from mid eighties. I mean, that's when they soundly defeat Shreddle. It seems like he's defeated. That's what they tell him to do: to mm. take the blade and commit what's ritual suicide, which is seppuku. And they tell yeah. him to do that. Like, right? That, that's the only way to redeem your honor. You know, yeah. to, to in, in in any capacity, and so the fact that that is a is a theme that's come all the way back to to Ronan, where you know he's having to take that on himself, and obviously Michelangelo. So yeah, it's a, as you said, it's a great callback to kind of that that concept of code. We we might have discussed we, we might have discussed this last time as well, but it's it's also a commentary on just the sort of dead end cycle of vengeance. So even in the last Ronin, they were like, oh, this has just been going on and on and on, you know, uh, warring between our two clans. Um, there might be a little bit of peace, but then someone else does something and then it's, oh, it's vengeance against you because of this. And then it's vengeance back. Uh, in the OG comic, um, Oroku Saki has a really good reason for wanting to take Splinter out and, the, and to take out the um, Hamato clan. I right. think the, the Hamato clan, not the yeah, Yoshi yeah. clan. It's like the Hamato clan. Um, because Hamato Yoshi killed Orokusaki's brother, Oroku Nagi. So in the original story, it was his brother that gets killed. And then Hamato Yoshi flees Japan. Um, but that's only because Oroku Nagi was about to kill his missus for having feelings for Hamato Yoshi. Right. Right, right, so right, that, right. that's where the love triangle thing comes in. It, it was yeah. not Saki, and like it was in the movie, it was, it was his brother. Um, his brother wasn't necessarily a bad guy. He just kind of cracked it because he got jealous and then approached his missus with the intention of hurting her. Hamato Yoshi defends her, kills him in the process, flees, and then Saki vow, vows vengeance. He's like, I'm going to get you, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> and so he's on his own quest of vengeance, and he has his reasons. And they're, they're, I guess they're, he's doing an honorable deed. He's not necessarily an evil person either. Um, 
but then that starts the cycle where he comes yeah. after Splinter and then um sorry, Hamato Yoshi and then and then that starts a cycle of vengeance where Splinter raises the turtles to attack and kill Saki mm. to vow vengeance against them. Um, and it just, if you stretch it out to the Ronin story, then it's like, well, this could have just kept happening on and on for yeah. like, uh, years and years until that particular ending. You know, it's endless. Yeah, no, great point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that absolutely is. Well, it's always been the theme of it. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Oh, very, very astute point. Yeah. Were you uh, familiar with the, I mean, I, 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 I never really considered sort of where turtles were uh, from a literary perspective at, at, say at this time, but so I, 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 I think I just assumed Last Rona was almost a standalone kind of uh, release, but it's actually part of quite a lengthy series by IDW. I mean, have, mm. uh, have you, have you, have you caught up with any of those at all out of interest? I knew they existed, but I've never read an issue. I just I can only tell from the front covers of them that they look right. pretty intense. Right. Well, yeah. sort of. Yeah. They. I've got the list. I've got Wikipedia on in front of me. So they they've started the uh, with uh, Kevin Eastman. He he was one of the the uh, co hmm. creators, we say, of the IDW series. This is Sans Peter Laird, and. Yeah. Um, they've got a series of yeah really some of these these titles sound really awesome uh there's a really cool one it sounds a bit bizarre just than the title but it's a super cool one called shredder in hell and it's basically about shredder who has now passed but it's him kind of coming to terms with uh his actions as he's sort of wandering the afterlife and he encounters <laughs> people it. it sounds awesome doesn't it and yeah. he encounters people as as it describes it here that sort of help and hinder his journey and him kind of coming to terms with the life he's led and and stuff like that now that sounds awesome that really does. really does sound yeah. like a super cool read um, but then this is also the series that brought us batman and uh the turtles as a as a collaborative effort which I haven't read it, but I saw the animated movie. Have you seen that? I was oddly going to mention that when you were talking about this <laughs> and how much I fucking loved it. I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was epic. The fight between Saki and oh, Batman. And, and, yes. Yeah, they was, fight twice, don't they? And that was a kind of a, a dream match. That was pretty awesome yeah. to see that. But it makes just, sense, I mean, though. We got, just as we kind of, before we can go back to that, th- that's actually one of several crossovers in this idw series they have also merged i'd love to know how this works but the ninja turtles with ghostbusters <laughs> i can't even fathom what the story is there and they've also merged ninja turtles with the mighty morphin power rangers ah uh, yeah that yeah, i don't i know that for years definitely. oh really i didn't i i actually i just saw that now and thought wow and then i i typed it in to see like a visual of it and there is a youtube clip that they, that made the show I mm. guess the Power Rangers show. So I watched the kind of them meet for the first time, and I thought, oh, and there was the the girl turtle was was part of that lineup as well. Was she? Was Jenica? Yeah, Jenica, I think. Yeah, there's that she's her character is explored within these comic series as well um, mm. about how, how who she is and where she comes from, and she apparently was a former foot soldier who uh, 
crosses over to to sort of with the turtles and then she gets injured and leonardo has to give her blood to help her to, to survive mm. and it turns her into a turtle so um <laughs> but yeah, yeah so some of it sounds wow um, yeah but yeah so you you're a fan of the 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 the, the batman uh ninja turtles crossover then Oh, I loved the. I, I hadn't read the comic or anything, but mm. I loved. I loved the animated film. I, I thought it was great. I was, if I was skeptical about the concept at all, that film sold me totally. Awesome. I got to watch more <laughs> in that universe of them interacting because it actually, when I saw Batman fight Shredder, it made sense because it's like they were almost evenly matched in terms of their abilities and their mm. training and just their entire beings were like holy shit these guys are actually almost freakishly similar <laughs> except mm. one's obviously more evil than the other um yeah but it made sense to have them in the same universe so yeah if it makes sense and it works i guess no problem yeah it was super cool i, I like that shredder had a fairly good showing for himself sort of in that in that battle i think he wins ultimately the first fight with batman but then he loses the second in that in that movie but i, I was kind yeah. of like shredder tends to kind of get dominated a lot <laughs> in different in different sort of on-screen yes. iterations doesn't he but they had him like the, the design of him in that was very much the live action movie style like it was right. the first live action movie style where he was definitely formidable um, and scary yeah. and had a weight to him so every time he hit you like even the sound design on that film was just like uh the the turtles and batman film was was like mm. pretty like you could feel every hit um and then i think he, he only beats batman in that one because he does that freaky foot clan summoning punch or whatever oh, that, yeah, like, yes. you know, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> he like summons that foot clan symbol and then he just like wallops him um yeah. yes <laughs> yeah i think they there's another comic book so there, there may very well be there's another comic book of their union so uh there may very well be another animated movie sort of in the works to sort of because i imagine it, it was quite successful uh so yeah so that you, hmm. you may get your wish yeah as, as opposed Yay. to as with more but um shredder obviously not um, well not obviously but uh, shredder's presence not not a huge part of of ronin which is which is a shame um mm. i think in a way it would have been kind of cool with him as as the villain of the piece to be honest but it's his grandson uh mm. who, who's uh sort of an interesting pick i guess this is karai's son uh yeah. as well so i mean what, what he he's fairly he's presented fairly well i mean his like his armor at the end he's he's total badass right yeah yeah he was um i don't want to say he was unhinged he definitely just seemed like he he had a mission um and he was trying to stick to it it was almost very like kylo rennie with a darth vader relationship like he's trying to retain the spirit of um of saki and, and what he was trying to achieve but i guess at the end of that story um but doesn't he smash Karai's tank at the end? He does. Doesn't he just he kill he her? To- yeah. He totally so he actually, kills her. Yeah. He actually, at the end, he just reveals that he really massively resents his mother. Mm. Like, and just doesn't give a shit <laughs> at the end. Uh, but yeah, he was tough. He was a tough cookie. Definitely. Mm. I think he says he only kept her alive out of spite, if I remember correctly, before he, he plunges his 
kind of shredder 2.0 outfit uh, yeah. laid straight through her um or her kind of incubator so to speak but uh but yeah i thought his his costume as well um i suppose there is an element of him being unhinged uh but i i, mm. I thought his costume was a nice nod to to kind of shredder um kind of as a nice update to it wasn't or unhinged not. you know what the, the vibe was it was he was channeling this like 80s bad guy vibe in a sense like he was villainous you know he had that he had this mm. villainy to him and then he had this desperation to him when he knew that he was starting to lose or when his mm. arm was starting to fail and is something like uh, a lot of hubris in right. his actions and um yeah, he was just very eighties villainy to me. I suppose so. I just I want to rule the world. <laughs> I suppose it's kind yeah. of his MO throughout the whole thing. Wah, so no, ha, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's fair enough. <laughs> that's well put, yeah. Um <laughs> I used to type that out so much, man, in terms of like online laughter. Bwahaha <laughs> was like always Bwahaha was like a go to for like just hysterical laughter instead of like <laughs> Rolling on the floor, laughing, or whatever the fuck, it would just be like, Bwah, ha, ha. <laughs> I, I, yeah, to his credit, I don't think he ever writes that out in the story, but uh, <laughs> the sentiment is there, I think. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad, I wouldn't be mad at reading Bwah, ha, ha, in a comic <laughs> book. I would, I, you know what, I gotta work that into mine, I gotta put that in there somehow. You should, yeah, and, and, and if you have a sort of a generic kind of 80s villain in that context you could throw in the the concept of i want one million dollars and uh as a as a <laughs> as an mo as well yeah one million, million dollars <laughs> <laughs> oh oh i meant i meant one billion dollars um was i gonna ask you what did you think of the two live action reboot turtles movies the michael bay adjacent ones i i've only seen the first one mm-hmm. um i i wasn't a fan yeah um i i know that they i'm trying to think uh, it was some years ago i saw it and if i remember correctly i actually watched it on youtube it was like i don't understand how it was possibly there the whole but movie the whole movie genuinely <laughs> on youtube i certainly it didn't still happen it could still yeah happen. but yeah. for such a current film i wouldn't have thought that that was <laughs> possible but I, I watched the whole thing on youtube and there were a couple of uh, kind of cool moments i think there's a splinter fight shredder or something at one point or when, mm. when they capture Splinter, like right in the middle of the movie, I think Shredder has a moment of, of sort of awesome dominance uh, as relates to Splinter. I, I, I thought think, Shredder looked right? scary though. I, th- I think Shredder mm. was sufficiently intimidating, at least. Yeah, yeah. But as a as a as a whole, I I wasn't a fan of of the version, um, and I always get confused. Like I know they changed their backstory significantly. I can't remember in in what way. April is quite different as well. She's not, say, the newsreader, is she? No. Um, there's, there's more. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember much, but I remember, you know, they they, they did change quite a lot. And um, I just, yeah, visually, I didn't think they looked great. They looked, <sighs> they you looked know. horrible. They yeah. Nostrils. They, they added yes. nostrils. That kind of <laughs> ruined it. Yeah. They, um, yeah, they look scary as hell, I guess. I mean, they're, you know, almost doubled in size really i mean from their original versions but uh no i wasn't overly a fan of it 
it's telling that I can't remember a specific scene from yeah. either of those films that stands out because there's just no standout scenes in them, really. It's just it's a shame. Um, yeah. And the second one had Bebop and Rocksteady and Krang in it, dude. So yes. that was the f- <laughs> it was interesting just to see that. Like the, uh, the, There is one scene that does stick out now that I think about it. It's only because it's just so ridiculous. The turtles are like in a, in a river, um, like a rolling river, um, and they're trying to escape Bebop and Rocksteady who who pop out of the river driving a tank and they're <laughs> they're rolling through they're rolling through the river in a tank uh chasing the turtles down down the river um huh. that's all I really remember <laughs> <from> <laughs> it was just so fucking forgettable um I think even the the actor who voiced and did the body work for Michelangelo when it went on a podcast some years back and really trashed the movie. Oh, like, really? Uh, he was a big Turtles fan as well, and he was like, yeah, oh. so just disappointed with what they did with these fucking movies. And even the original concept, they were going to make them aliens instead. In terms of, like, the changing the backstory, like you said. Yeah. They were, they were going to make it uh, make them part alien or some shit. So, In a think- weird way, aren't they, yeah. though? I mean, the mutagen is... is- of not of this world isn't it i guess depending what version of the story you take but the mutagens mm. is is from an alien being as such isn't it well, no from an alien like the krangs isn't it isn't it they're the ones that came up the tgri or tcri uh contingent Actually, they are aliens aren't they i can't i don't remember the origin of the ooze specifically being alien. i think the origin has changed uh, i i th- I'm trying to think. I think the original origin of it is that it's, you know, it's, it's like from radioactive those... waste. Like it was just radioactive waste that shouldn't yeah. have mixed. I think just... that, yeah, I, if I remember correct, I could be very wrong. I usually am. But I, I think I think the origin changed. It got simplified. So they removed that, po- that portion of it. But I, if I remember correctly, the originals basically had, uh, it, it was from the TCRI because they tried to explore Mm. they stumble upon the building because they have the canister and it's got t is tcri or tgri i know what it did change both mm. are sort of within the pantheon of uh turtles explanations and they they stumble onto the building and they're like oh my god like how long has this building been here and we've never known about it and then they break in it's full of krangs um and uh yeah they eventually go to other other worlds which is a part of turtles origin i never really dug i always preferred the samurai side of it as opposed mm-hmm. to the alien cosmic adventures that was a that was like issue two though in the comic books. Yeah. That's when they they find the building and they get zapped to the yes. other to the other world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they, so I, they really did that quite quickly in the canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the side of it I never really dug though. Um, yeah, it always took me out of it a little bit, but it does. Uh, yeah. It gets pretty ridiculous with some of the <laughs> shit that they do. <laughs> that's why Ronan works because it's not some otherworldly story. It is mm. grounded and gritty yes. and all that lovely stuff. Yeah. Um, I probably mentioned this in another podcast too, but the mid to early two thousands, the mid two thousands, maybe in 08 or oh seven, when they did the CGI animated TMNT movie that was just called TMNT. Right. Um, it was just like a one-off, but it continued the story that that was part of the canon of the three live-action films. Um, this is the one with Patrick Stewart Patrick as the Stewart. is that the one with the warrior who's trying to recoup all of his ancient warriors? Or have I got? Is... 
I think that's the one. Um, so it has that awesome rooftop fight with Raphael. With Raphael Leo. Leo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, yeah. I really dug that one. I thought that was really well made and it was in the spirit of the live action films. Yes. And part of yeah. their continuity, apparently. So. Yeah. And again, that kind of bold approach. I really dug the fact that we begin that story where everyone's so fragmented. And yeah. I kind of like that. Like, kind of, I want to shake things up a bit. I always thought that was super cool. Um, the fact that everyone had basically gone off their, to do their own thing. And um, mm. I always, yeah, that was a great kind of intro. And obviously that rooftop fight is, is Jesus, epic, uh, beautifully put together as well. So, yeah. Because you, you need that in a story, man. Like one of the things I wrote into my my book was specifically to write this specific dialogue between two characters. One of them was like opining the fact that his life is never ending. And then the other guy's like, well it will end and, and it has to end. And it's like, well, why? It's like, well, story has to have meaning. So, you know, you can't really give the story meaning until it has an ending. Right. Um, so I think what they did with turtles was give it this ending. Obviously you could just continue the IP till for the next thousand years, um, mm. you know, releasing stuff, but at least the original creators got to write some form of an ending. Yeah, and we can actually refer back to this and be like, "This is a nice, poignant bow tie ending, which is dark yeah. and tragic, but also very kind of uplifting and just a great story." Mm. Um, well, I mean, you yeah. say ending. I mean, it actually ends with the words "to be continued." If I remember yeah. correctly, I'm not I quite sure of, where that's going. I wish they didn't do that because that yeah. takes, takes <laughs> takes away from the very thing I was just describing. But. <laughs> But because, it's weird. I mean, that was the whole pitch that this was sort of a, a finale yeah. that felt really horribly, yeah. I want to say cheap, but I, I don't mean to, but it did you know, so well that they've did, now yeah. got the, the Ronin universe, right? Because now they're going to, yeah. they're, they're actually very, very soon. They're going to release more stories that take place within that Ronin universe that happened. Oh, right. um, it takes, tells the individual stories of the other turtles of what wow. journeys they went through before they met their end. So right. it's supposed to flesh out the backstory, apparently. That was pretty brutal reading as well, actually, when you come to each of their ends. Uh, yeah. I kind of like, I really dug Splinter sort of screwing up the way he mm. did. In a way, he's always so perfect, so level-headed, so wise, and him kind of losing control for the first time we've ever seen him do it, where mm. he loses his, his mind in essence in terms of, I just want vengeance. What have you done? I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you. And it's mm. like people saying, pull back. We can't win this. He's like, no, I'm going to kill him. Uh, and it ultimately costs him his life as well as uh, Donatello's. And mm. I, I kind of dug that it was sort of minorly his fault. Um yeah it shows growth in its own way as well and it's something that would haunt him in that afterlife as like yeah i should pull back <laughs> yeah but, yeah absolutely like show splinter in a different light and yeah i guess he was teaching what he was teaching for a reason and it was probably to prevent him from dying in yeah. situations like that yeah but speaking of that sort of expansive ronin universe you know another new character we talked about uh shredder jr jr but we have uh casey april jr uh, as well <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. that that um you know they, they, they kind of allude to a really interesting character there where we they talk about her being somewhat impacted uh by mutagen in her own right but there is that mm. horrifying scene where michelangelo finds that out 
And it almost suggested that he and April hooked up for a split second. When <laughs> right. he says, "When were you going to tell me?" and she's like, "I thought she was going to say it was just one night." And I was like, "Hang on, this is taking a turn." <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you know she spent that much time with the turtles. She's probably developed an, an affinity for some turtle dick. <laughs> They're probably packing some heat. You know, like turtles can like retract that shit back into their body. So who knows how long it, oh, it okay. can go? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> We don't blame you, April. Yeah, I, you know, you, you're all, you know, in the sewers for so long. It's just, yeah. it's got to happen. One right? thing leads to another. That's what happens yeah. when you spend time in a sewer. You eventually <laughs> end up make, making love to an amphibian. <laughs> That's what happened to me. Uh, okay. Uh, happened to everybody. <laughs> where's that stop button? <laughs> Press stop. We've said too much. Total uh, power. <laughs> <laughs> in your butt <laughs> sorry continue what were you saying i was just about to yell out cowabunga but uh you <laughs> you preempted with total power uh <laughs> i don't know what were we saying uh yeah so she, she that was kind of a nice extension as well mm. to kind of give april that um uh, that's somewhat solace, you know, obviously with, with Casey, um, yeah. his demise having um, been met with alongside Leonardo's. And uh, yeah, we have another extension to that kind of Ronin universe in, in uh, Michelangelo's first student, short lived mm. as it was. Yeah, but she was a cool character throughout, wasn't she? I thought um, really nice touch was uh mikey's book or like it was splinter's book i guess yeah. like his little journal and then he writes no peace and then at the very end it says no peace with a k yeah yeah uh, i thought that was a really nice touch that was yeah. really good yeah, yeah. It it's was, good yeah. It's very hero's journey journey for mikey which i think is long overdue like put him through some hardships the absolute worst tragedies lose everyone around you and then still uh find reasons to impart wisdom take on a pupil as brief as it is um regain some sense of um optimism in the face of just crappy odds um and just stick into his guns stick into his mission yeah Mm. fucking hell mikey man what a great 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 character great way to send him off as well yeah you know it was I mean, regarding regarding that end, though, we sort of as we touched upon about the the fact that they have to be continued, and the fact that you know uh, April and uh, her daughter Casey have a and it, again another incubator with four turtles in it. Like, who the heck are they? Yeah, exactly. Yes, is right. she trying to bring them back to life in some capacity? Because she was like, "Have you run the tests?" And like, what is she doing to those turtles? Yeah, I mean. Would it, would it be like, I don't know, you wouldn't be able to restore the same four personalities and genetically just no. using the genetics of those four turtles. They'd be almost like relatives or descendants if they're mm. from the same gene pool. So I guess they're just growing four new personalities, four new turtles that would be completely different characters. But she's going to actively mutate them? Well, you know, it's the future, so I guess maybe they've got a bit more understanding of the mutagen and how to maybe manipulate it, hmm. perhaps. Maybe that's what they're doing there. Like how Splinter did it, um, when he gathered them up in an old coffee can. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy old rat. 
You crazy old rat. You're down in the sewer. You find a fucking bunch of baby turtles. He's like, ah, I'm going to gather them up in an old coffee can. He planned to eat them later until they started talking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they had a lot of meat on them. <laughs> then they started talking and being too cute to eat. So instead of eating them, I trained them in the art of ninja. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> it's one or the other. <laughs> Um, what, okay, so that might be a nice segue, actually. We, we've sort of alluded to that first live-action movie. Um, I know that that's a, a, a film that ranks incredibly high for you in terms of any version of, of Turtles, certainly any on-screen version of Turtles that you've ever encountered, right? The greatest uh, depiction uh, outside of the OG comics. It's the mm. greatest depiction of the Turtles, in, fully endorsed by the creators, Laird and Eastman, as well. If mm. you ever asked... If they're ever asked that question, there have been a lot over the last 35 years. The answer has always been the same, even up to like a few years ago. The 1990 live action film is the greatest depiction of the Turtles, including their favorite mm. depiction of the Turtles. So stands awesome. the test of time. It's a classic. It is perfect. absolutely just a perfect film. And not only the greatest independent film of all time, but also, in my mind, the best comics to film adaptation of all time still hundred mm. percent certainly ranks incredibly high it's a it absolutely holds up we my, my daughter and i we used to watch it over and over and over uh where she was a huge turtle fan for for several years and we watched it a couple of years ago and every time you watch it it's it's still funny it's still moving it's just a brilliant, how does brilliant it hold watch. up how does it hold know. up so fucking well man i've seen it 50 no times. Element. <laughs> yeah no element of it is dated do you know what i mean like it's it's just perfect i don't understand how you know how they as you say how i don't get it because it's just a perfect film it's brilliant it's, it, it you know what because it had less studio interference it truly mm. was an independent production it had like a few notes from the higher-ups in, in, in some regards but it was more or less straight up taken from the comics made a little bit kid-friendly um you know they didn't make them all dark and brooding like mm. they did in the comics, so they retain more of the cartoon personalities a bit. Yeah. Um, but like, it's just even the way it's shot and the way it looks, it's not bright. It's grimy. Mm. It's like dirty and sticky, like a sewer would be. And even like the fucking streets of New York are like just filthy <laughs> and shitty. Yeah. Um, kind of like where I was staying in Sydney. No, I'm kidding. I didn't <laughs> go back to that. I'm like, I'm done bashing Hornsby. It's fine. Um, it's you know what i mean like that thickness of the feeling of the city and everything like yeah it's it just translates so well to the feel of the film um yeah. it's not just a bunch of dudes in turtle suits there's a real awesome story happening that happens to involve mutated turtles and ninja clans and shit and it's like mm. if if you can tell me this awesome compelling story with with this then that as a kid that made me open to any kind of story involving any kind of medium no matter how silly or goofy it might be you're going to find something really profound within it if you look hard enough or if the creators of the content give a shit about what they're creating and they want to put something really cool and memorable in there yeah um that will outlast you it will outlast the creators and that film is just it's just going to outlast all of us mm. you know? 
Yeah. Whole show. Even the soundtrack. Oh, the soundtrack. Oh. Soundtrack and the original score, by the way, the music for it, you know, the yes. background music and the score, you know, that was epic as well. But yeah. the soundtrack, shit. You mentioned Partners in Crime. Yeah. Um, I'm like, dude, that was one of the first songs I ever memorized. <laughs> Yeah. memorized like all three verses yeah. um yeah. but I, me- I remember i had the soundtrack on tape i don't think i i'm not sure if i ever had the lyrics because what i had to do was i i'd play the song and then every after every line i'd pause the tape and then i'd write it down with a pen and right. paper like nice. what the line was and then play another line pause it and just through doing that and listening to it like a hundred times i was just like fuck i could recite that song and i've recited that song on on demand um but i've been out getting drunk in the clubs and shit and the conversation pops up i'm like oh you know i can fucking rap that whole song I'm like no fucking way you can't I'm like no bullshit well check this out <laughs> i mean if you could think of a better way to end this podcast and i'd love to hear it but at the moment <laughs> that's literally the only way to end it so i'm just leave that hanging for a little bit and uh, uh, on the half shell the heroes fall in this day and age you could ask for more with crime waivers high muggings mysterious all the police and detectives are furious because they can't find the source <laughs> of this lethally evil force i was a witness get no is it i was a witness get me a quarter I was a witness. Get me a reporter. Get me a reporter. Get me a reporter. Yeah, yeah. I need a quarter. Yeah, I need a quarter. Get me a reporter. April O'Neil. No, this is serious. So get me a quarter. I was a witness. Get me a reporter. <laughs> Call April O'Neil. And on this case, yeah, you better hurry up. There's no time to waste. We need help. Like quick on the double. Have pity on the city. Man is in trouble. Um, and then something, something. When Tonto came pronto, when there was danger. He didn't yeah, we say didn't that... hear us like the Lone Ranger when Tonto came yeah, from the Yes. They didn't say they'd be there in half an hour because they displayed <laughs> total power. And then a fucking vocoder, do you are the Audi? And then this fucking epic power. Like, if you just take the power from that chorus, it's like so. It's just like got this oomph behind it. Power. <laughs> It's like at the start of movies when they do the fucking, this is a digital, this is Sony Dolby Atmos, and it goes, <laughs> yes. oh, it's got that same tone, but it's like power. <laughs> there was, um, I remember, I don't remember why I looked it up, but I looked up Partners in Crime <laughs> a, a while ago. So there are... Same. Uh, the wikipedia page right so they spell crime k-r-y-m-e yeah <laughs> which is an acronym for keep rhythm your motivating element and um <laughs> do you know this is the grimmest shit ever because it's like and i say this with absolute adoration for a, a, like a perfect perfect song but obviously total power came out in 1990 they did a song undercover Mm. which has their follow-up. But in 2015, they did a song called Rock the Half Shell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 25 years later, they yeah. did a song called Rock the Half Shell, which is, oh gosh, any info? No. Uh, a second single undercover was released. Uh, yeah, Partners of Crime released a second single centered on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on mm. their official YouTube channel, Rock the Half Shell. Wow. 
They're still riding that wave, man. Is that- <laughs> still riding that fucking tail pal wave, riding all the way to the bank. I don't blame them. <laughs> Partners um, in crime. Keep rhythm your motivating element. Yeah. Um, uh, so the it's hard to pick a favorite song from that soundtrack, but um, one that always stood out was nine point nine five for me um, by Spunkadelic. Jeez, so it's um, the song that plays at the very end of the movie, right? Um, oh my gosh! Okay, the, yes. And the, the rooftop. Yes, yes, yes. Their first cowabunga moment, of course. And Donnie even yells the, the thing out. So April and Casey kiss, and he goes, "Whoa, Casey, nine point nine five. And then that song, I love that song so much. When YouTube first started in two thousand six, I had my very first YouTube channel. That's very same year. Amazing! And wow. Um, it was just, I would just upload like, you know how I was like a gourmand of music. I'd find all these hidden gems mm. and shit. So I'd take the hidden gems, I'd upload them to my channel. And that's what I became known as one of those channels early on. I think I hit about 350, 400 subs at, at one point. Amazing. And early on, I'd upload fuck around videos as well that I'd make myself. And I had a, <laughs> I had a video where I made my own music video to the song 9.95. Oh, Wow. It made no sense. It was purely <laughs> just just to try my hand at editing stuff and acting in it, I guess. So it was basically shot in my house by myself with a digital camcorder, like those Sony ones. Um, and it was me in a wig and sunglasses and a stripy shirt and just mouthing the song and acting out the song it was just oh my god it was, it was whatever it was just dumb and then i uploaded it <laughs> and it ended up getting like some like 30 40 000 views before my channel got pulled uh for copyright infringement at some point oh. um but it had like a shit ton of comments from all the turtles fans <laughs> like, <laughs> it actually just struck a vein with the tmnt fans because of how much they just saw i was having fun and they're, they're, I just got nothing but positive compliments. It was amazing. <laughs> wow. If you can think of a better video to accompany this podcast episode, <laughs> then I'd love to. <laughs> I've got it. I've still got You've it. You've got it? Yeah, absolutely. I've got it somewhere. But, geez, it just doesn't – it just has no context. Like, it's just <laughs> – it's just me in singing the song in various outfits around my house and throwing a toy cow around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That dude, that sounds awesome. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's gold. I'd love to see it. You should upload it. Why not upload it to your channel again? <laughs> to my current channel. Yeah. Uh, bit too random for my current <laughs> channel. I could probably chuck it on Facebook, I guess. Yeah, dude. maybe. I'll just send it to you, man. You can have it. I, I would I would I would cherish it. Cool. and then i would try to recreate it scene for scene <laughs> so i'll give it to you and then you can upload it to youtube and be like look what okay. i found on somewhere <laughs> on the street that's gonna be awesome for now i need to create a youtube channel and then when i do that's the first video <laughs> first first loaded video welcome, welcome to the blue and green official radio <laughs> uh, youtube channel <laughs> Now here's That's this. So funny. Uh, this ain't jazzy 21st century <laughs> soul music. 
<laughs> Some dickhead in a fucking wig dancing around <laughs> the stuff. Some genius in a wig dancing around the stuff. <laughs> uh, no, the guys, that would be gold. I'd love to see it. That's so funny. Awesome. Guys, you even had like 30, 40,000 views on it. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, it was like a mini wow. viral hit for me in the Turtles community, at least. <laughs> Amazing. That was a good soundtrack. I'm trying to remember. I don't have... I've got the cassette of the the, the Turtle Power single. I mm-hmm. did have the whole thing, but I, I actually... I Whenever I do try to do searches, I can't find it, but I do have the Secret of the Use cassette of the whole the whole thing with... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vanilla Ice is obviously on it. Um, Ninja Rap, there it is. And um, there's another notable song from the soundtrack i can't remember yeah i can't remember um but uh yeah i have the the full um uh cassette of the yeah the full soundtrack for the second movie but currently i can only find a single of total power on cassette but I yeah, have yeah. It all. it's mm. look it's front to back it's 10 tracks the original soundtrack so you got mc hammer this is what we do yes this i remember when they play that do. in the uh, yeah uh, the, in the, the warehouse house. yeah uh, fucking spin, spin that wheel. Dun, 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 spin. That, that was a single as well. I have that on vinyl. The single, oh, amazing! Wow. Um, and then we got "Family" by Riff. Uh, family. You know that's the theme Gosh, that runs yeah, through yeah. the first film. Yeah, yeah. Family. Dun, 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 dun. And then "Spunkadelic" nine point nine five is after that. Then "Partners in Crime," and then we got uh, "Let the Walls Come Down" by Johnny Kemp. Um, I think you do hear that in the film too. I can't remember which part. Mm. Um, that's like a, kind of a slow jam, but it's also like a very socially conscious kind of track. Okay, it's saying "Let the walls come down that separates you and me." That's the that's the chorus. Love it. Um, proper slow jam is "Every Heart Needs a Home" by Saint Paul. I think that was in a scene with April and Casey, maybe. When they're getting to know each other on the farm. Right, right. The moonlighting scene. Yeah. Yeah, in around that moment, yeah. And then there's John Duprez, the guy who did the score. Or John Dupre. I could never fucking tell how to pronounce his name. It's <laughs> P-R-E-Z. Would you pronounce that as Prez? You wouldn't. That sounds like a Spanish kind of John Dupre. I, I would have Dupre. I think S is prayer. But what if I, I So I would have said, yeah, I would have gone with Duprez. Yo, what up, Prez? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like calling someone president, like the cool way of saying, yo, what's yeah. up, Prez? Prez Obama? You know, like, <laughs> Prez. The Prez, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I think my, well, if I were reading it, yeah, my uncultured self, I, with, if it was an S, I would think pre, pre but if it was P-R-E-Z, <laughs> I would probably go with Prez. Per, oh, maybe, oh, pre. maybe it's Perez. You know, like uh, a Spanish Perez, but it's without the E without after the, first the P. E, yeah. Huh. Huh. Is wow. that guy's? <laughs> I just fucking realized that could be the case. He could be just be a Perez. Fuck me. Okay. Per- <laughs> That's mind blowing. I never saw that till just now. I'm because I'm staring at the soundtrack and I'm looking at his name. I'm like, oh my god. Um, so he rounds it out. He he does. You, you get Shredder's Sweet after that, which is that very iconic. Yes, oh, you know, oh, I love that. Yeah, and then, 
Yes. Yeah, love that. Damn. My, I actually taught my band how to play that. Oh, when brilliant. We, when we were going to perform last year at this warehouse gig thing that I told you about, uh, we were mm. going to do the, this big performance. We were going to start with the Shredder Suite. Oh, God, that's <laughs> you're then, a genius. That's awesome. We played, a, I actually have this on record. We have a version where we played our opening song. We play the Shredder Suite, and that, that melts directly into the opening song that we play. And it was fucking so awesome. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, and then Splinter's Tale. Uh, yes, of course, the the coffee cup thing. Yeah. For 15 years now. <laughs> yeah. As a pet of my master Yoshi, mimicking his movements from my cage and learning the secret art of ninjutsu. When we were forced to come to New York, I found myself for the first time alone wandering the sewers, <laughs> scavenging for whatever I could find. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Fucking good times. So uh, they released the actual score soundtrack only a year or two ago on vinyl for the very first wow. time. Like 20, 30 tracks, um, all the music and incidental music from the film that Amazing. hadn't been released before. And that came with a really awesome um, artwork that was done by the original creators too. It uh, looked like the original comics kind of as the vinyl sleeve mm. artwork. Fucking just great. Great timing as well because that first movie, for some reason, it was very hip-hop, you know? Like the soundtrack was very like urban music. Right, sure. Leaning, you know what I mean? Mm. It was interesting. It captured that kind of particular zeitgeist. I always, uh, I think the prevalent in terms of music, the prevalent thought I always have of that first film is their their fight with Shredder, which I think is a mm. it's a part of the music that appears. I remember correctly throughout the film, but that da, 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 yeah. uh, when they're kind of fighting on the rooftop as Splinter's making his way up. But that that was my favorite piece of music for the from the whole movie. Yeah, uh, I always love that piece. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, fucking. That's such a badass piece. That's awesome. Yeah, God. So watch that movie super soon now. Yeah, yeah. Watch, watch one of the newer cuts, like the Blu-ray versions and stuff. It's okay. It's amazing how much they've clarified and cleaned the image up. It's I've never seen it so clear before. Always used to seeing it grainy. But yeah, if you see like a clear version, it's almost like seeing it for the first time. Right. What what was like the the rules that of 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 stuff like um that you know turtles had a lot of issues over in the UK. Uh, obviously, you couldn't have ninja uh, in the title, so they. I think when the the first the first cartoon series was renamed to Hero Turtles. Ah, and, that's um, bullshit. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? And then Michelangelo's <laughs> nunchucks were fairly short lived, so. <laughs> <laughs> the uh like in the cartoons his his nunchucks ends up getting replaced for a grappling hook which is a, a awful weapon he would just uh, throw it hell? And, yeah it was awful you should look up on youtube like the the kind of replacement they, they removed the nunchucks and in the first movie like the best scene uh certainly for a michelangelo fan when they raid april's <laughs> home yeah. and the the the, the chuck off that yeah. that was edited you in the uk theatrical release so dumb. where it's basically yeah they just stare at each other and you got that wow <laughs> and then and then donnie just sort of does the jump 
What a fucking stupid edit. Seriously, yeah, I, I read about all of that, and I don't know what it is with UK's hard on about fucking nunchucks being so know. dangerous. I don't know. It's weird, isn't else. it? Yeah. Um, you can have knives, having... guns, Uzis, no problems, <laughs> but for some reason, nunchucks were like, whoa, whoa, we're not those kind of people. And I, don't, I don't know what it is with nunchucks. And even Bruce Lee movies, they would always remove the nunchuck scenes from... Uh, the... I remember seeing, like, Game of Game of Death, like, and... Um, uh, Enter the Dragon. I remember seeing those films much later and thinking, oh my God, there's a nunchuck scene in it. Like, you know, the versions <laughs> we had as kids, it would just cut them out. But so bizarre, isn't it? It is bizarre, specifically bizarre for that one weapon that got yeah. maligned in some countries. And um, also, um, shit, what else was mostly edited out of there? So nunchucks... Um, God, I'm trying to think what else they usually edit out. Yeah, no, it's not covered to me now. But what was that? Uh, what were you we just saying before? Just uh, before. Just before. Uh, well, I think I, well, about... Well, I think scene, right? Yeah, the yeah. So, in terms of the notion of, I guess they didn't feel the need in Australia to rename Ninja to Hero or kind of remove Chucky uh, scenes at all. So, uh, yeah, you got everything intact. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the title. That's right. Because in some in some territories, they don't like the word war either in being in anything. So again, circling to Beast Wars weirdly, but in in the in the in Canada, the the cartoon Beast Wars was known as Beasties. Oh, because I think they... Beast Disagreements or something. <laughs> <laughs> beastly, gentlemanly, beastly, yet gentlemanly beastly disagreements, misunderstandings with yeah. laser weapons. Um, yeah, so they they couldn't do that. Um, yeah, it must be the same in the UK. But what the fuck with this nunchuck shit? Who knows? It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, got to Google that and find out what the hell that's about. Yeah, all the April turtle sex scenes are present for some reason, but they had a real well, issue with that. <laughs> that's just this topsy-turvy world we're in, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just like, just pick and choose your morality, mate. Like They're like, well, this, we just got to, the producer's like, well, this is what the people want to see. So we yes. can just skirt the morality yeah. issue because this is what they want to see. April getting it on. April with like four young turtle Oh, no. Dudes. I started it, but I wish I had it. <laughs> and then split. Anyway. Um, but... whoa, 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 whoa. No, I just thought I'd leave him out. Like, he's in the, he's in the next room. He's like, wait. Wait, <laughs> your teaching is not complete. Oh, no. We have to edit all of this out. It's awful. I swear. I mean, what, what would he do? He'd crack some, like, weird joke. Like, he wants to <laughs> tell another funny, but then it involves him, like, shooting a load <laughs> at the end. You know? He's like, hey. Did I tell you the joke? Did let me tell you this joke? Where's the joke? Splinter was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not from here. You see, I come from afar." <gasps> oh my god! And that's, you that's planned it. You and that's I made it. another funny. <laughs> he made another funny, but he had to shoot like a, a shot into that's April's very eye. That's very good. That's uh, really yeah. good. Yeah, that's yeah. very good. Then he says, "Cowbunga bitches, I'm out," and leaves. <laughs> Cowbunga bitches. <laughs> I want to see that graphic 
Splinter with a speech bubble going, Kawabanga, bitches. <laughs> middle fingers, middle fingers in the air. Like, <laughs> only God can judge me. Middle fingers, Kawabanga, bitches. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> some real Tupac shit. You're like, <laughs> thug life on his fucking robe at the back. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, we've totally reimagined Splinter. I'm digging it. Yeah. Maybe Splinter needs like a Ronin style. Well, Splinter, Splinter would fit like a fucking darker solo ninja style story because he's got that in him he's got the training you know like and he's got the vengeance in him in the in the original comics too like he's all about vengeance yes but there's no sort of missing piece with him though is there i mean i suppose he went from being well depending on what version he was obviously well i suppose if you take the version of him stemming from the character i think the cartoons didn't they originally cited uh he was Hamato Yoshi, wasn't he? In the comics, yeah. not in the yeah. comics. Excuse me, he was the rat in the comics. The cartoons changed it to him actually being Yoshi. Yeah, but that's right. if you take him as Yoshi, then there's there's story there. Obviously, mm. from the rat to the sewers raising, then he's he's a parent, you know, the whole time. So there isn't really anywhere to insert any kind of backstory for him. But if well, you take a, him as Yoshi, him, um, that's the name of his rap album. <laughs> <laughs> From the dojo to the sewers. <laughs> you can be like a Wu-Tang style rapper because yeah, he's from Shaolin. Brilliant. That's very good. Hamato yeah. clan. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Yeah. Um, there is I, a lot of untapped potential with Splinter, clearly. <laughs> and tur- turtles are like really cool to draw. So it, uh, going to school when I wanted to doodle in between like boring classes and I want to just draw some shit on my pages. It would just invariably be turtles because of their shapes were like kind of easy to draw. Mm. Um, just a whole lot of circles. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, um, I got really good at drawing them for a while. Awesome. I was never very um, good. And I guess maybe just to finish off this particular turtles first, what's, who is your favorite turtle and why? Um, Michelangelo has always been uh, my favorite. I, Ironically, I think it was because it, my, when I first saw him, I was always an Unchuck fan. And that's That might sound weird in light of what we were saying. And I, in theory, I should never have even seen a pair of Nunchucks before. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I sort of liked that. And I liked the, I, I mean, he was too kind of, he was inexplicably a surfer dude in that cartoon. That cartoon was my initial introduction to it. And I think everyone at school was sort of talking about it. And then I watched it and he had the nunchucks. So I thought, well, he's instantly my favorite. And then he was kind of the funny guy. And I thought that was cool. Um, in later years, as, a, as I kind of got older, I think Raphael would have been my favorite, you know, mm. that kind of angry hot head, you know, I, I kind of always gravitate to that kind of character. I think that's always, you know, just from a creative perspective, I always dig it, that tortured soul mm. uh, kind of angle. But yeah, Mikey's always been my favorite, which, you know, gave me all the incentive to to want to, you know, embrace Ronan the way the mm. way I have. Yeah, so it was, um, that's why I, I think he was the perfect choice for that creatively, but also for me, I was over the moon with it. The fact it was him. How about you? And yeah. and what was your initial introduction to Turtles as well? What was it? The cartoons? Ooh. Was it the comics? The movie? Yeah. What was your introduction as well? 
What, what, what was yours? Answer yours first. Uh, the oh, cartoon, the uh, the hit. Well, over here, the hero turtles cartoon. I think that was my introduction, and then I got comics. Then that they went to the graphic novels, uh, then or the movie first. Excuse me, it was the movie, and then that really and un- and un- opened the, my eyes to a darker perspective and then i got to the graphic novels and and sort of stayed there uh, then right. but was the cartoons the... first right yeah, yeah yeah that was the first thing i was exposed to yeah okay i think my trajectory was the same just because we weren't the right age for the comics you know um, right and the cartoons were huge and they were like they started in like 86 87 the cartoons like they they were around since the mid 80s wow um, really oh god yeah 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 they're not 90s they they were like mid 80s babies and they lasted till i think early 90s 91 92 maybe oh no they went oh. till like 96 that that original series actually lasted technically for like almost a decade wow um but yeah definitely mid 80s um that's when i picked up on it um started there and then it was just like a virus spread through all my friends we all <laughs> just got obsessed i had every single thing turtles you could think of down to the bubble bath um brilliant wow <laughs> uh we had the puzzles we had um ice creams clothing um games like you name it everything turtles wise the figurines um owned all the cartoons on vhs had the live action movie on vhs i still have a copy of that Amazing. the the film was what really opened my eyes like i guess similar to you like it just opened my eyes to a bit more of a bigger real worldiness to the concept of turtles and taking it a bit more seriously um and so like a lot of things that i watched young when there was adult themes to it i, I didn't really get all of it until I watched it over and over mm. as I got older and older. And that's why I think the appreciation grows for a movie like that because you watch it as a kid, it's different. You watch it as an older adult, it's different, but you're still enjoying it for the at the same level. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that started from there. And, then, yeah, it's just always been Turtles, turtles heavy. Um mm. I guess my favorite turtle was usually Raphael. Um, only after the live-action film, though. I don't think he was my favorite. Although, although I thought he was hilarious in the cartoons. Like, he was just completely fucking irreverent. For, uh, <laughs> always looking to the audience and cracking out like a one-liner. Right. Um, I had a weird affinity for Donatello for a while because of the video games, the arcade games, the fighting oh, okay. games. Yeah, yeah. Because Donnie had the biggest, longest weapon. He had the longest right. reach. So <laughs> picking Donnie in the game was always really helpful because I could whack full soldiers from far away. Um, it always felt like more advantageous. So weapon-wise, it was Donnie. But like personality-wise, it was Raphael mm. um, because of his performance in the live-action film was so fucking intense it was but so did you ever i'm probably going back a little bit too much now but because Raphael in the cartoons he's basically chandler bing do you know what i mean he's like (laughs) sarcastic but there's no anger no that that rage doesn't exist so when you kind of saw the movie again we're probably going way too far back to kind of remember but did you ever think well hang on this this is quite a transformation i dig it or do you kind of like yeah this makes sense to me or 
it's weird. Like retrospectively, I can see the how jarring it would be, but I don't remember it being like that. Mm. I remember just fucking going from obsession to more obsession. Right. It was just like it was like my favorite characters had just been given a makeover. Um, but the reality was they were just going back to how they were truly depicted originally. Yes, sure. Uh, which is gritty, dark Raph. Like Raphael was just that from the OG comics. He was the most brooding and one out of the lot of them, even though all four of them really were like badasses, really. They were all mm-hmm. portrayed equally badass. But um, um, maybe that's why Ronan, a story like Ronan works I think regardless of which turtle you end up with, um, if you have a story like that, that's going to hook you in, yeah. like regardless. Um, but yeah, Raphael, I always felt like Leo maybe always got the short end of the stick because he was always seen as like the leader and he has to be like kind of the straight guy. He never gets an opportunity to crack. You know, like you were saying, Splinter yeah. never gets, never shows like weakness or yeah. like making wrong decisions. Um so maybe that kind of makes him a little boring character-wise. So a lot of my friends never picked him as as their favorite either. Mm, mm. It'd always be Mikey or Raphael, usually. Mm. Some would pick Donatello. Um, uh, when I say pick, I mean like I used to go to scouts. I've probably talked about this once. Um, I was part of a scouts group in my cultural mm. center, the Armenian cultural center. We had um, um, like our own scouts group. So we'd meet once a week. And at the end of the actual um, meetings or whatever, the group sessions we'd have, we'd like learn how to tie a tie, you know, like do a, do a, this is a sailor's knot, you know, you, you learn how to right. do some shit scouts wise. And then you finish and then we all go outside to this patch of grass and we, we conduct ninja training. <laughs> As because, part of the scouts. No, no, this is the scouts. Okay. This, we were like, you know, we're really young. We're like, not even like eight or nine or some shit, maybe 10. Um, we'd come out in our scouts gear and then all, all four of us would pick which turtles we wanted to be. Amazing. And then we'd, we'd just commence ninja training, which was just us pretending to, you know, you know, just um, joust with each other ninja wise. <laughs> it was brilliant. That what you were nailing? Sense. You were actually hitting each other, or were you kind of like? No, well, like you're you're like faking the hits. Okay, you know, right, right. You're like fully going for it. Like you'd pretend you had the weapons, and you know, <laughs> such so a cool. fucking it's such an intricate part of our childhood, man. It's just it was everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I forgot to mention I'm wearing turtle socks, by the way. <laughs> I, I wore it just for this occasion. I busted them out. So I bought them. They're like retro <laughs> socks. But they're like black socks with lime green un- underneath. Did you put these and on Facebook a while ago? I did. Yes, the I, same yes, ones. Yes, I remember. Yeah, with, yeah. The, with the cartoon versions of their faces Brilliant. all over the socks. And they look like the old ones that they used to sell, I think. Almost a similar. Amazing. How could you yeah. not have opened with that? The legitimacy just... you would have added to this podcast straight off the bat. <laughs> I just fucking forgot. I'm like, I just remembered. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, awesome. <laughs> it's a, a perfect place to end it, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, dude, thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed it today. Uh, it's kind of awesome to indulge. Uh, as you say, such an important part of my my kind of childhood as well, and kind of uh, and and the fact that we've got this incredible 
you know, uh, the story in the, in the last Ronin to kind of act as that that catalyst that kind of inspired this conversation. I'm, I'm thrilled we were able to do it. So thank you so much for your time as always, buddy. Yeah, all good, man. Um, I guess if we get around to reading these new Ronin verse stories, we could probably do a follow up or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or, or Shredder in Hell. I'm, I'm, I'm mildly, I'm, I'm having difficulty getting yeah. that out of my head actually. So I might have a have a check on see if that one's available on, like on Amazon for from this IDW series. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. I probably I'll probably get stuck into the IDW series, man. Um, yeah, I'll probably read up on that. That's, yeah, that's I think good. it's about forty odd, uh, or just a little under forty kind of different, uh, you know, issues or stories that they've kind of put together. Can't so, say yeah. no to a story called Shredder in Hell. I know. How do you, right? you say no to that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm interested in who he encounters uh, as well as part of his backstory. Or uh, yeah, I don't know. At least, in, at least in Hell, there won't be some like s- some stupid turtle looking at him going Shredder. Yeah. <laughs> At least, at least he doesn't need a can opener. <laughs> uh, maybe all that hardware is for Make making coleslaw. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> the one line isn't that movie, man. My favorite from that, I don't know why, it always got me. But when they each take a turn and then they get their butts handed to them and they do their first huddle. And firstly, yeah. the idea that Shredder lets them huddle, it kills me. Yeah, it's like yeah. in the middle of fighting four guys. Yeah, take a huddle. I love that. But when Mikey goes, okay, at exactly what point did Wheelie's control it? I love that line. Somebody it's better like... tell him, we're the good guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, fucking, Such a great exchange. Uh, it's great. And it's fucking um, Casey busts in during the... Uh, the big fight at the uh, secondhand oh, store. Who, who's the babe? Yeah, the babe. But then, like, Mikey goes, who, who is this guy? He's like, Wayne Gretzky on steroids? <laughs> like, it's kind of edgy, man. Some of the stuff they were saying in that film, it was kind of like, yo, adult me is going to enjoy this some years down yeah. the track. Like, my head, I was just thinking that in my head, like, as a kid. Yeah. Well, that again, that same where well, it's not not doesn't fall under the edgy category, but that fight scene where they're with the giant axes and that's just sort of swinging away at Mikey on the floor, and here he and Donnie are rolling out the way, and they say, "Well, these guys aren't lumberjacks. The only thing safe in the woods would be the trees." That <laughs> <laughs> oh, was good. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I have to watch that movie now. Yeah, I think, think of one like what's one of the ones Raphael said. Um, shit. No, now I'm just thinking of that question he asks when they're playing the video, uh, the board game. What was Shinobu? Napoleonic Wars, War and Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see um that uh, the Emilio Estevez movie uh and Sam Jackson loaded weapon? Yeah, loaded weapon. I lost my mind when I saw that. Yeah, (laughs) it was great. Uh, that that was a great scene. I was so happy when I saw that. Yeah, brilliant. Good <laughs> God, we could do another hour. I think, but uh, yeah, we should we should revisit tales. We could we could do an episode on subsequent movie iterations. The secret of the ooze. Oh my God. Mm, maybe not. You want to know the secret of my ooze, Imran? <laughs> Let me tell you. I've been around as long as I have. <laughs> you want to know? want to know how to control your ooze <laughs> the commons and the goins the viscosities 
We talk a lot of ooze, a lot of booze and ooze. You know what we should do is we should pick like a thing to watch, like say, um, watch the first five eps of the animated show because that was like one movie when they did the first season. It was like the first five eps was the introduction. Oh, right, the, okay. Of, of the turtles. Mm. We could watch like the first five eps. I think it's called T- Turtle Tracks, part one, two, three, four, and five. Okay. Or we like do a watch thing and then come back and talk about it, that kind of thing, maybe in the turtles yeah, universe. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. Yeah. What would you want to pick, though? <sighs> you want to watch like one of the more ridiculous things, like the, the next mutation kind of deal? Or do you want to watch like something you really want to see? Oh god, uh, I'm trying to think what I either haven't seen or what I would love to uh to see. Um let's just torture ourselves. Let's put ourselves through the entire next mutation series. I think there's only one season. I yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> I'd love I, to re- fucking review I, that whole thing. Episode by episode we uh, break it down, you know, like what are they what trying you, to say? <laughs> What are the themes? His eyes. He's saying Kalbunga, but his eyes. His eyes aren't saying it. His eyes aren't saying it. He's he's really in a different place emotionally and physically, but he's putting on a front for these morons uh, to express joy when he doesn't feel it. No. Imran, what he's really trying to say is, save me. That's what he's saying with his eyes. Oh, great. I'm a mutated turtle. What does it mean? Who am I really? Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I can sit. I I would do it if. Hey, look. If you have a vision, if you have a vision, we can we can next mutation it. Oh. Why does this turtle have little titties? That's what we need to know. Why? Because <laughs> it's the female turtle. I get it. What was her name? Was it like Venus or something? Yes, it was Venus it was de Milo. Yes, yeah, because I knew it was obviously Renaissance. Yeah, themed as well, wasn't it? So, uh, no, yeah. she was apparently the fifth turtle in the jar. That's how they introduce her. They read Connor oh, into do the story. They? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember wow. seeing a clip of that where they're like, "How did you become a thing?" And then she's like, "I was a pet of my master as well, and she was like a shadow warrior or something. She learned how to be a shadow warrior from her master. Again, she, uh, was in a jar that got touched by the ooze." But apparently, she was separated from the from the rest of them. So she's split. He's a deadbeat dad. He <laughs> left her. He left her. Yeah, maybe he's just he's just sexist, you know. Like yes, they, they just didn't keep the female one because you know you can't make a warrior out of her. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's oh, why. Splinter, I can't believe it. Damn it! That's how they got to come after Splinter now. He's cancelled. Yeah, it's a- <laughs> you cancelled Splinter. What do you mean, cancel? <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, should I issue an apology <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> Master? You don't even know how to use Twitter. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, can you imagine him in sensitivity training yeah. uh, as a result of it. My gosh, <laughs> it's all over. But like, he's wearing like the outfit he wears in the cartoons, which is like pantsless. And he's just got his like it's like a robe, but nothing else yeah. underneath. It's like, Mister Splinter, well, you can't come to these meetings without any pants, sir. We've told you this repeatedly. But these are just my ceremonial robes. Like, Get out of here! You're making everyone uncomfortable. 
and it is good just for aeration. I, I don't really do well with tight constricting clothes down there. Splinter, we've talked about this. Silence, woman! Oh, you got to start the whole course again now. Uh, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> all that training, all those weeks of training, and you've 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 undone it all. Get in the kitchen! No, no. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, it would be it would be great if women were like ninja. They could just vanish <laughs> without a trace into the kitchen to make me my hot miso soup. <laughs> April never complained. That poor woman was in the sore with you for weeks before you let her go home. She loved every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs>